Hey ladies, how you doing out there, you gangsters and you senior citizens of the world? I just want to let you know that I'm here. I'm starting my new podcast with Anchor. It's free, so I thought, why not give it a try? There's creation tools there that allow you to edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute my podcast, so it will be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, at home. During the coronavirus epidemic, this is where we're going to be. So, it's a mandatory call to action that we... Take anchor. Welcome back. Boss Ladies extensive amount of time and because I did so for over 15 years I learned different ways to adapt married to a homosexual domineering I now see where I was groomed throughout my entire high school experience uh, groomed by Mr. Francis as well as others, other adults. He was 23 at the time. He was the assistant teacher. And I was 14 years old when we met. He was crying on the steps. And I'm like, what's wrong? He began to tell me that this person said if he didn't pay for his therapy, that he would call the cops. And there were so many people coming forward with their stories. And if they weren't sending them to me, they were sending them to people I know. And I was receiving screenshots like, oh, he did this to me too. I noticed that the lies began to become more and more extreme. He started preaching a lot of messages on honor and basically like blind loyalty. I felt like I was living in a movie that just wasn't even like, it, it just wasn't stopping. And he said, because you opened your big mouth and tried to check me, you and your children will suffer like the rest of your family. That is the last thing said to me concerning my children. I received a death threat from him uh, when things started to come out concerning uh, his sexuality. I can now speak out so nobody else has to go through what I went through. My name is Lady Renee, and this is my story. It was March 3rd, 2019. My husband at the time and I were pastoring a church. He was the guest speaker for a church in Alabama. We were all sitting down with the congregants after service, eating dinner, 
And the drummer at the time said, Apostle, so how do you feel about everything that's going on with the allegations concerning R. Kelly? I will never forget the response. He looked up from eating his food and said, well, I think R. Kelly likes what he likes, with a smirk. The table erupted in laughter. And I remember in that moment feeling like everything just stood still. Uh, in that moment, I realized that I wasn't dealing with a person who in the past had uh, fallen into different uh, sins and, you know, was, was remorseful for the things that he had done. I was dealing with a real-life predator. So I kind of started at a piece of the beginning of the end for me, but I'll go to the beginning of the story. I was 13 years old, ninth grade freshman, attending School of the Arts in Rochester, New York. I was extremely excited to go to this school. All I wanted to do in life was sing at that time. And I remember seeing the movie Fame, and I just knew that School of the Arts would be like my chance to live out fame. <laughs> so I walk into this audition. It was September 2003, and I met the teachers for this show choir called Soda Singers, one of which became my husband. Uh, so he was 23 at the time. He was the assistant teacher, and I was... 14 years old when we met. In retrospect, at 32 years old, I now see where I was groomed throughout my entire high school experience. Uh, groomed by Mr. Francis as well as others, other adults who uh, were close to him, were around him at the time. And also, uh, we went to this prophetic service. I remember it was an elder. He came and uh, we went to this prophetic service where there was the group highly favored and uh, myself, we all went. And this elder asked, did I know the man in the back? And so he was pointing at Mr. Francis. And so I did say, I said, yes, I know him. And so he said, oh, well, all I have to say and somebody want to put a ring on your finger. And I remember, you know, everybody in the church is like, oh, wow, amen, amen. And so naive, young, a child, I took that as a sign from God that this is what God wanted because a man of God who was from out of town was saying that this is what, you know, God said a man want to put a ring on your finger. I even went to premarital counseling with Mr. Francis. I was 17 years old. He was uh, nine years older again. He was 26. And we went through counseling, premarital counseling. You know, now as an adult, I would never counsel two people those age gaps. And so again, it shows how it wasn't just him acting alone. There was a community who was supporting uh, this. And so... Uh, May 7th, 2007, I turned 18. It was a Monday, and I remember him asking me to marry him on that Friday. I said no. I said no because my family at the time didn't agree. And honestly, you know, I was 18. There were still some other things I wanted to do. I remember telling him, I want to see the world. And, of course, he said, we'll see it together. <laughs> uh, and so he took me to 
Uh, his mom's job. His mom was working at the time at number six school. We went up there, and I don't know what he said to her, but she came back in her classroom and asked, like, hey, can we talk? And so in us talking, well, really, she did the talking. Uh, she just explained to me that God really wanted us together and that uh, your family doesn't always agree with the things of God. And you just have to step out and move by faith, knowing that it's God. And, you know, you'll be blessed for your obedience. And then she started saying, you know, you said you love them. So if you love them and y'all gonna get married, y'all just get married. Your family is your family. Now you two will be family. I also forgot to mention that even in this high school time, uh, his mom is actually the one, um, well, she was one of the ones. She called me on my 16th birthday. I was turning 16 years old. And at that time, I was no longer allowed to be in the group and different things because things started coming out that we were together. Uh, I found out later he was actually spreading that we were together to cover up the fact that he had been molesting uh, fellow students who were males who, um, and these investigations were about to come out. So, and I'll get into that later. Uh, so his mom called my house. His mom called my house and told my mom that her name was Sinesia to get me on the line. And when I got on the line, she said, happy birthday, birthday angel. Somebody wants to say happy birthday to you. Uh, so saying that to say, again, there was so much involved in this grooming. Uh, so back to May 7, 2007, on my birthday, you know, she's telling me, hey, if you love him, you'll do this. And so that Friday, May 11th, I found myself walking down the aisle to marry uh, my husband. And I remember him telling me right off the bat, like, don't tell anybody. Like, we're going to keep our business our business. So one of the things that as an adult is an extreme red flag besides the age difference and the fact that he was my teacher. And not only was he my assistant teacher for Soda Singers, he was also head of Highly Favored. Uh, he was also the uh, coach for the step team that I was on. So like in so many ways, he was an authority figure, so to speak. Uh, so that is an extreme red flag, something that should have never happened. Uh, and then also, uh, he asked me for my refund check from school. I was now at this time attending Monroe Community College. I had just received that spring refund check. And so we used that 3000 check. It was actually 2,800 something dollar check. We used it uh, for him to pay for the wedding and also for us to get our first apartment on First Street. Back to just how much I thought this person was a person of integrity, uh, which again, now at 32, I know that there's never any integrity involved in a teacher with a student or in a man that is nine years older than a child. Uh, I know that that couldn't be integrity. However, he at the time just portrayed that he had so much character and that, you know, he was just such this man of, of valor. Uh, one of the things that he told me in counseling and even before counseling was that he was a virgin. Uh, he made it loud and clear, not just to me, but to others that he was a virgin and he was saving himself for marriage. For years to come, 
he would also state how he saved himself from marriage and his wife saved herself from marriage. And that's why it was so great. Uh, but so he told me he was a virgin. Uh, he did mention that a few female students while he was a student, so they were all in high school at the same time, uh, performed oral sex on him in the basement of School of the Arts, but he only did it because of his friends. And of course, he said first and last names of all parties involved. I thought I was marrying somebody who, again, was a virgin. I remember going to the doctor early in our marriage because I was having a problem. I went to the gynecologist and I just remember him being extremely nervous. And so it was a little strange. Uh, he ended up telling me that he was nervous because, you know, things can show up later. And so although it had been seven years, he had not been with a woman uh, seven years prior to me. Because uh, again, he was saving himself for marriage and all women just wanted to rip his clothes off. Uh, and so he told me how Sometimes things, STDs and different things could wait and show up 10 years later. Uh, I was a virgin. I was like a real virgin where I didn't do anything with anybody, nothing oral, nothing at all, like virgin, virgin. And so he was afraid that something would appear and that it would be from him. That was one of my first clues that something probably wasn't right with uh, what he told me. Uh, however, I dismissed it as my husband is just concerned with my health and well-being. On January 31st, 2009, my husband at the time was installed as pastor of his grandmother's church of 42 years. Uh, I was 19 years old, so literally the youngest first lady in the city and probably like we, we had started honestly researching. I was probably like one of the youngest first ladies ever. Uh, and first lady is just a term that is used when you're a pastor's wife uh, in a lot of African-American churches. And so with that responsibility, I really wanted to make sure that God was pleased, that God was proud and that I was doing his name uh, justice in uh, walking this out in a way that pleased him and showing people that just because I was a youth, it didn't mean that God couldn't use me uh, and that he couldn't use me mightily. I just knew I was married to a man who wanted the same, who really wanted to please God. And I believed at the time that was why we were pastoring, to please, to serve, to honor God, to serve his people uh, the way he would have us to do it. Also at that time, I was told that I officially had endometriosis, that I also had PCOS, and that it would be difficult for me to conceive uh, even in that time. And had I waited until later, I could possibly never have children. I didn't have the biggest problem with never having children. However, my husband really, really, really wanted children. Uh, I was kinda at that time willing to risk waiting some more years because again this time I'm 19 we have a new church uh and you know it's just a lot of things going on with that uh, I wrote a book about that but to please my husband and and realizing that I was married and that it wasn't just what I wanted I went through three years of fertility treatments uh I went through um going back it was actually two years two years of fertility treatments 
Uh, and I had, in that time, six miscarriages. But he really, really wanted a child, and I really wanted to give him what he wanted. In March of 2011, right when I was around uh, five, four or five months pregnant with my daughter, we left that church, his grandmother's church, and we began the Life Given Word Center that April of 2011. In August 2011, I had my daughter, which was just a miracle within itself, eight pounds, three ounces. <laughs> uh, was just so happy, so excited, uh, and just very, very thankful. Very, very, very thankful to God after all we had went through that she came here and she was healthy, she was well. Uh, and so a few months after that, it was around December, uh, my husband comes to me and he tells me that God is calling him to open a church in Atlanta, Georgia. And so, you know, he said we would have one church in two locations. On January 28, 2013, we officially moved to Atlanta, Georgia to with my toddler at the time uh, to start another church. And I will never forget how much we met with the saints at our current church saying that, you know, it would be one church in two locations. We committed to going back and forth every week, literally, uh, to the Saints. Uh, they even, honestly, the Saints from Rochester Life Given Word Center, they gave us $2,000. They raised $2,000 to get us buddy passes so that we could travel back and forth. However, the buddy passes no longer worked because the uh, AirTran merged with Southwest. So the buddy pass we had did not work. But to keep our word, I made sure that I booked mega bus tickets. And literally with my toddler for several months, we were on that bus for 19 hours because it stopped in Buffalo. It stopped in Ohio for a few hours. So we were on that bus for 19 hours. Uh, and there were times where it would just be myself and my child. But I felt like I really wanted to keep... To hear the story from a woman who was literally raped when she was 14 years old and groomed to be a wife of a pastor turned out to be garbage, a pedophile, a rapist, but you name it, this guy did it, but that just goes to show you that you just cannot trust everyone, so she wrote a book and we'll do a follow-up give you more information on her and her story. Thank you. See you soon. Or hear you soon. Call in on Sundays. Remember to turn us on in the car. Bye. We live and move and have our being. And I felt this this spiritual power in every living thing. We call it our soul. Well, if we have a soul then that spark of energy is in chimpanzees. They have souls, even though most people wouldn't talk about it that way. And the trees, they have a soul too. They've got a spark of that divine energy.
was in Gombe that I began to really think about the spiritual nature of, of life on this planet. When you're out in nature, if you're just completely calm, you know, I did, I was a bit scared when I met a leopard.